Welcome to Search for Meaning. I'm Yoshi Zweibach. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Bob Klein. He's an extraordinary man who brought about Prop 71 in 2004 here in California, which provided billions of dollars in funding for stem cell research and cures. And now he's trying to get a new initiative on the 2020 ballot to provide more funding for life-saving cures. He's an extraordinary man. You're going to enjoy the conversation. I think you'll be inspired. Stay tuned. So excited to have you with me on the podcast, Search for Meaning. Bob Klein is with us and going to learn a lot about the work that Bob has done to help bring Prop 71 to fruition here in California and the work he's currently doing with the new ballot initiative that he and his team are trying to get on the ballot for November of 2020. But let's go back to Prop 71, Bob. I remember because I was living here in California and full disclosure, my, my wife, Jacqueline, uh, was privileged to be able to be part of the team that made Prop 71 happen. And as the architect of this, can you take us back to what inspired you to start your work in embryonic stem cell research here in California? What inspired you? And tell us a little bit about how Prop 71 came to be. Certainly. So, uh, my, um, my youngest son uh, had uh, been diagnosed recently at that point in uh, 2001 with type 1 diabetes. And he was suffering uh, with this uh, chronic disease. Um, so I had that motivation and then my mother had Alzheimer's. So as a, as a father, and as a son at both ends of my life spectrum uh, of people that I loved, they were burdened by these chronic diseases that there was no real cure for. And a director of the NIH um, who dealt with uh, diabetes told me there wouldn't be a cure in his opinion without embryonic stem cells, and it wasn't going to get done through the federal government because the uh, <clears throat> Bush administration at that time would not allow embryonic therapies to get funded and go forward through the NIH. So it was very personal. I mean, a lot of this was really your own experience with, with your son, with your mom, and, and then you started to put a team together, but it's a pretty big idea. Your background is in real estate development, background in finance. All of a sudden, you're deep into embryonic stem cell research and government um, regulations. That's, that's a lot to, to bite off. What inspired you? I mean, I know what your motivation was, but what inspired you to think that big? Like, wow, I'm going to go after serious funding, and we're going we're to change the way well, research right, is done so, around this. Uh, <clears throat> The head of the stem cell research at Stanford, along with a group of, of parents who had children with type 1 diabetes, uh, came to me. And initially, uh, they said, would you help support this effort? We're going to try and get an appropriation from the state legislature. 
uh, of a billion dollars. And I said, well, look, I'm highly supportive because it's not going to be done in Washington. Uh, California is a logical place to do this because rated as a country, California is number two in the world in biomedical research. But the legislature is not going to appropriate money for this out of their general fund. They have too many current uses for that money. You, what you really need to do is uh, create a bond program so that you can spread these costs over the benefiting generations because this new uh, area of revolutionary medicine is going to change medicine for all of us and it's going to benefit the next uh, 40 or 50 years of patients, families, whether it's diabetes or Parkinson's or kidney disease or stroke or heart attack or cancer. There's a spectrum of diseases and, and conditions like paralysis that are going to benefit over 40 or 50 years. And what you really want to do is get the benefits now, get a critical mass of funding now to benefit patients, and then have the payments go over a period of 40 years. So they said, well, that's a great idea. And they went off. <clears throat> and a couple of weeks later, they came back and said, well, we love your idea. It's better than what we were trying to do. Uh, and we don't know how to do it. So would you spend a few weeks to help us figure out how to do it? That evolved into um, a scientific advisory committee that I put together that had um, David Baltimore on it who, and Paul Berg, both Nobel Prize winners who uh, discovered recombinant DNA that historically you should know um, recombinant DNA made artificial human insulin possible, which was keeping my son alive. Uh, so that was very meaningful to me. And uh, then <clears throat> Irv Weissman from Stanford, Larry Goldstein uh, from UC San Diego. Uh, there were scientists uh, throughout the state, in fact, scientists from other states who collaborated uh, to advise me on the approach I work with patiency organizations, Michael J. Fox's group, uh, <clears throat> the International Juvenile Diabetes Research uh, Foundation, uh, the Alzheimer's Association. So I brought ideas together from the patient advocacy groups with the scientists and uh, in presenting it to them, Effectively, after a, a few weeks, they said, tremendous structure, we love it, but we don't know how to implement it. <laughs> so it was an incremental process where I kept getting more deeply involved. And <clears throat> this was in 2003 uh, that I started, about April 2003. So I ended up writing the initiative uh, with the help of of a scientific advisory group. By the time I filed this um, initiative in November of 2003 for consideration uh, with the Attorney General, I'd probably gone through 1,500 uh, hours of study and work and advisory input. 
I wouldn't have initially taken this on, but each at each point I got to a plateau and the request was continue because we can't implement this without you. As you told your story of how you got deeper and deeper involved, I couldn't help but think just for a moment and only for the good, for the sake of heaven. But it sounds like those guys were kind of working you. I think they targeted you and they said, this is a guy, he's a lawyer, he's got a personal connection, he can make this happen. And then little by little, they were like, well, gee, Bob, maybe you could help us write it. And the next thing you know, you know, 15 years have passed and you're doing the next. Is it possible that the whole thing was by design? Well, I think that originally <clears throat> their real intent was to join a group in Los Angeles that was trying to take this appro appropriation uh, approach. Uh, but I had been involved uh, after uh, working through Stanford Legal Aid and housing with <clears throat> writing the California Housing Finance Agency legislation, which was created the, the entity for the state that finances uh, affordable housing through bonds. And I had written the legislation for the state legislature to create that agency as a consultant to the state Senate and, and assembly. So I knew that if you tried to go through the legislature, it was going to take a couple of years and be extremely difficult to stay focused purely on the science without uh, political considerations. And it was vital that every dollar be spent on the, on the research, on the clinical trials, and on therapy development. So uh, eventually they realized uh, that that path wouldn't work. I believe they really came to me uh, for just advice originally and then realized that there was a better path, but it was more uh, technically complicated. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that Prop 71 made possible. And um, I understand that there was from the time that the initiative was passed, I think overwhelmingly by the voters of, of California in 2004, it took a few years to really get online because of some lawsuits that had been initiated to try to, to stop the, the research. But once you got online, tell us about what that accomplished, because it's really important as we think about the November election and we think about the, the ballot initiative that your team is working on to really take stock of, of what's already been accomplished. So what are, what are some of the things that, that you look back on that whole period and the, and the work of CIRM and, and that you feel a sense of accomplishment around? So the initiative has funded through the state uh, agency, which is a small group of scientists and physicians uh, that, are, that uh, conduct uh, competitions for this fund, these funds, uh, and they have a group of patient advocates and scientists <clears throat> that sit on the, the governing board that approves the allocation of funds based upon external scientific review with all of the scientists coming from out of state to avoid any bias in judging science from California institutions. But through that process, it's extraordinary what's been accomplished. There are nearly 3,000 peer-reviewed published medical discoveries. And those discoveries that 
have been funded through therapy development and, and human trials have made remarkable progress. Uh, we have uh, individual patients for type 1 diabetes that are in phase 2 human trials uh, where they're demonstrating that uh, these uh, uh, stem cells can create new islets for the pancreas that can create insulin, keep these children alive, keep their blood sugars uh, balanced, uh, and avoid blindness and kidney loss and amputations and the other end-of-life uh, or during midlife uh, complications that uh, have arisen with individuals who are sometimes because of money or access short on diabetes, uh, insulin, for example. But there's 82 human trials in progress. Type 1 diabetes, uh, individuals that were blind, uh, there's a woman who was blind for a decade, a young woman. She was, uh, uh, got a form of genetic blindness, retinitis pigmentosa, right before the birth of twins. She was blind for a decade. She was treated first in her left eye. She could functionally see her children. Uh, then as she's been treated in her right eye, she can read her handwriting. So uh, you have everything from uh, individuals who are quadriplegics having their upper body strength restored so they can participate in society uh, to individuals who couldn't any longer take kidney dialysis because their veins were fa failing, now utilizing uh, innovative therapy approaches and equipment developed through the Institute uh, funding. It's a broad spectrum of human trials that have been accomplished, an extraordinary spectrum, and two of those uh, human trials have already led to cancer treatments for two types of blood cancer that were otherwise fatal uh, with no therapies in existence. So it's remarkable uh, progress across the spectrum of disease, and this is why um, we have 55 patient advocacy organizations supporting this initiative. Their scientific advisors, their patient advisors and boards have all looked at the accomplishments of the agencies and, and said, 3,000 medical discoveries, 82 human trials, really tremendous progress in launching a whole revolution in medicine. We're going to endorse this initiative, which they have. So for people who are listening and you know, want to support the work that, that, you're, that you're a part of, and, and just you know, so people understand from the perspective of uh, Jewish tradition, the, the highest value is pikuach nefesh, is saving a life. And it's a reason that so many rabbis, including myself, have endorsed this initiative. And we endorsed Prop 71 back in, in 2004, because if we can uh, have the potential to, to save a human life through these therapies, and we know sometimes you know, the research could take years, but the payoff in terms of alleviating human suffering and saving lives is real. And we're already seeing that. Um, but so, so, so that's one of the reasons so many of us have signed on. But for people who are listening and want to be helpful, tell us a little bit about the process. Because I know you have to gather signatures. And obviously right now with uh, the pandemic that we're, we're dealing with, it's made it harder for your team to go and ask people to, to you know, sign up for the initiative. So how many signatures do you need? 
What can people do to help? How can we get involved? Well, we need 950,000 signatures. We have 915,000 signatures. We're 35,000 signatures short. And we're short because the shelter-in-place orders stopped the signature gathering uh, about two and a half weeks ago. The prior week before the signature gathering was, was stopped, uh, we had gained 120,000 signatures, which is an extraordinary outpouring. Of wow. But in the, in the week that followed, uh, we only got through the first uh, three and a half days before the whole process was shut down. If we just gotten through that weekend, we would have more signatures than we needed. But in a commitment to health, a commitment to um, making certain that we were part of the solution, uh, we did shut down the signature gathering. And we are now left with trying to reach out to patient advocates, uh, to families with individual family members, a child, a parent, a grandparent, a brother or a sister who have chronic disease, uh, or someone they love has a chronic disease, and asking them uh, to go to our website uh, and look for the signature instructions, which will help them understand uh, that they simply need to uh, pull down the email off the website, print the initiative and the signature sheet, sign it, certify below their signature that they are the one signing it, and mail it back to us uh, by uh, the 11th this next uh, Saturday. If they put it in the mail, we will be able to get that signature to count uh, towards our objective. 35,000 signatures could empower $5.5 billion for therapy development for these critical uh, revolutionary therapies that restore health uh, for all of our families. And right now, just by uh, adding your name to this list, it helps to ensure that California voters in November will get to weigh in on this. And if the 2004 election is anything like what 2020 could be, uh, you know, an overwhelming majority of Californians indicated that they wanted to do this. So. Uh, we'll also, uh, I, I know someone who can get me all of these links, so I'll make sure that when we post our podcast, we put all those links there. One question, Bob, that I like to ask at the, at the close of every conversation I'm privileged enough to have, and I want to thank you for making time for me, because I know there's a real urgency that your team is feeling right now. So uh, I know you're working everybody nonstop to try to get these signatures. So thank you for taking time to talk to me. But when you think about what drives you, um, I like to ask two questions. One is, you know, what keeps you up at night when you think about this initiative and, uh, and what gets you up in the morning energized? So if you could, uh, in some ways, it's really the same question, the kind of things that keep us uh, up in the, in the middle of the night, sometimes filled with concern and the kinds of things that, that help us get out of bed with a sense of energy and optimism. What, what is it for you that inspires you to continue doing this work? Well, my youngest son, uh, Jordan, who had type 1 diabetes, he passed away with the disease um, after 15 years of fighting it. But I think of Jordan and I think of children that don't need to go through that suffering. 
with the human trial that's in progress for type 1 diabetes. I think of Rosie, who's the young mother who couldn't see her twins for a decade. Um, I think of individuals with uh, massive heart attacks who've gone through human trials with these therapies, and family members of mine who've had cancer. I think of all the suffering that can be avoided and the lives that can be restored. The young man, uh, Chris Boysen, who's a quadriplegic, who was treated at USC, he can now lift weights, he can now drive himself around, doesn't have the use of his legs, but he's got his whole upper body back from a time after the accident when he was so totally paralyzed, his parents had to spoon feed him to keep him alive. So I think of the individual patients and their struggles, and I think they are the real heroes here who have to battle with these conditions, these chronic conditions and chronic diseases every day. I certainly personally can commit passionately to at least design a solution, run an election, work to help the scientists and physicians and help the patients who desperately need human trials because I'm the healthy one. I'm the lucky one. If each of us can give at least the time to go to the website and find the signature section, print that initiative, sign it and mail it in, we will have empowered the scientists and physicians with another $5.5 billion to help all those children and families with a spectrum of 80 different diseases and chronic conditions. Bob, I want to thank you for your time. But more than that, just thank you for your passion and the incredible work that you and your team have done and, and I hope we'll be able to continue to do. And uh, in memory and honor of your son, Jordan, and uh, and in honor of all those people whose lives we're trying to, to support and save and help, um, I, I hope that we can uh, meet with uh, success. Well, thank you for informing everyone through this podcast and thank your wife, Jacqueline, for being such a champion of this initiative because uh, she's unstoppable, a real force of nature. So thank you. Don't I know it. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, everybody, and take care. Thank you. Well, that's the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to help this important initiative, if you want to sign on, you can go to my podcast website and you can get all of the information right there. As Bob said, you can go online, you can download the form, you can sign it, you can mail it in, and you can make sure they get the signatures needed to get this important initiative on the ballot for 2020. It's all about Pikuach Nefesh. It's about saving human lives. And boy, aren't we feeling that right now. Aren't we inspired to try to make a difference right now, especially. Thanks, everybody. Take care.